You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us, Lord, despite our shortcomings and our sinfulness, God. We just give you such praise for um, being able to be in a relationship with you through your son Jesus's life and death and resurrection, God. And I give you such thanks for the people that are in this class now who might be listening later. Lord, um, whether they have children or not, God, um, we all know children. And I pray that we remember first and foremost that you are completely sovereign over their lives, God, but that we have the um, privilege and the honor of playing a role in their spiritual development, God. And I pray that through this class, your word would be heard not as a burdensome word, God, but as an encouraging and um, hopeful um, way to pour into our children. And I pray that you bless this class, that you speak through me, and um, that you bless the children that are represented um, in this class. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, hey, guys, come on in. There is a little handout right there um, on the chair. It's basically a little quadrant. We'll talk about that in just a second for you to just take any type of notes that might be helpful to you. I want to start off with saying that this is part three of a four part series. So the series is called The Power of Parents, and it's all about the impact, um, the great impact that we have on our children and their spiritual lives. There's a lot of research. Cameron quoted a lot of the research in his class two weeks ago. Rebecca um, cited some as well in her class last week. And this should be a word of hope, not a word of all the pressure is on us. But there's a lot of research out there now that shows that parents truly have, parents and grandparents in the back, um, have a huge impact on their spirit, their children's spiritual development in their lives. So what I want you to know is that what we're talking about in this class, this is not what the model of every single day in your household should look. We're going to talk about a lot of practical things that we can do at home today. So this week's class is practical um, spiritual practices that we as parents or grandparents can do in the home with our children or grandchildren and the impact that that can have. So think of it more like we are discussing several different areas of spiritual practices at home and you're kind of picking and choosing what feels right, what's working well based on your children's ages, based on the week, based on the day or the hour, because we all know life at home is predictable, unpredictable. And um, yeah, I hope this is a word of hope this week and not um, feeling like a burden. What I want you to know is that, um, and you probably already know this, so much of what we what you probably have been doing or will be doing at different stages of your life, your children are not going to be active responders to that. They are active receivers. So they are hearing and soaking in what you are doing, but we cannot be waiting for these aha moments and these amazing discussions after Bible reading or having an organic talk with our child. So you might feel so good about what you just shared with your child, <clears throat> 
and I don't know about y'all, but mine will then say, I wonder what the school's serving for lunch tomorrow. Um, and so, but they are soaking in what you are saying, and that is taking root. We are trusting the Lord that that is taking root. Um, that's a perfect segue into remembering that God is completely sovereign over our children's salvation. We play a role in that, but we do not carry the burden of ensuring that they are saved. Our role is to, out of love and wisdom, um, pour into them in different capacities at home, but certainly it is not, um, it does not rest on us. And that is a huge word of hope. Um, an analogy that I sometimes use about that is seatbelts, right? God is completely over all of our lives. He is in control. He knows everything that's going to happen. And yet we still choose to wear our seatbelt. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's wise. It's good for us. It's kind of like that. We are going, we want to incorporate these spiritual practices at home. Um, even though we know that the Lord is the one who ultimately is going to open our child's heart and draw them closer to him. So with that being said, today we're going to talk about four different areas of Christian practices at home that we can incorporate. Most of what I talk about today really can be used through from nursery and preschool children all the way through high school, with the exception of when I talk about some children's story Bibles. But um, this really is applicable. Um, a lot of times just changing your tone of voice, the same thing you could say to a 3K, you could say to a ninth grader, just talking in a, you know, a different tone of voice and whatnot. So it's applicable to all children. And ultimately, our goal as parents is, and our, I'm sure our hope is our children end up being lifelong disciples of Jesus, lifelong followers. And so with that, um, we want to remember that they are not going to get there by rigid practices that we instill and force at home. We want all of this to be organic and life-giving for you and for the child. Um, but before we do that, before you go to the teaching part and the doing part, we always like to say, do the um, pray, model, teach method. So what that means is all of this we're doing, all of these Christian practices that we want to incorporate at home, those are great. But ultimately, first and foremost, we want to be praying first about our children, praying for our children, praying that our children would love to read the Bible, praying that our children would see prayer as a beautiful gateway to talking with the Lord. Um, Praying that our children um, will receive the organic talks we try to have with them. So we pray first, and then we want to model. And so everything that we want to teach our ch child, which we'll get to in just a second, reading the Bible with our children, praying with our children, we want to model those things first in our own personal lives. And I'll kind of give us some tips about how you yourself are showing your children that you are doing that in your own personal journey with the Lord. Um, 
that it's not just something that adults need to do with children because adults have it figured out and they don't need it anymore. We really want them seeing you reading a Bible. We want you to be talking with your children about age-appropriate praying pray, prayers and praying that you're doing with your children. So pray first for your children, model these practices about how they work in your own life, and then go to the teaching with the children. Um, and so what we're going to do today is talk about four areas of Christian practices that you can incorporate at home. And again, this little handout right there that's um, right where Keenan is with the chair. I just printed this out in case you wanted to jot some things down that stick out to you, maybe some things that you're not doing or um, little tidbits to say here or there, books that we'll talk about, and feel free to use that how you see fit. So we'll talk about four Christian practices today, reading the Bible with your child, catechizing your child, praying with your child, and talking to your child. I want to point out that next week is the last class of this series. Cameron's going to do a whole class dedicated to organic talks with your child about spiritual related things. So you won't want to miss that. That will be a great one. And we'll go ahead and get started. So first one is reading the Bible with your child. Now, a lot of times this can feel so daunting because we know schedules are really busy and nighttime comes and you're faced with the decision of go to bed or read a Bible story. But what we like to tell parents is, is if you could read the Bible with your child, not have them read separately, but if you could read the Bible with or to your child at least two times a week, that has a tremendous impact on them. What does it show? It shows that you think it's important. It also shows that if it's kind of past bedtime, that you think reading the Bible and learning about Jesus takes precedent over going to bed 10 minutes later. Um, that's setting a really good example, and it's showing that you feel that that's important. This is the one part where if you have older children, this might not apply to you, but um, bear with me for just a second. So most people are familiar. I'm going to show you the two Bibles that we think are top-notch. There are so many children's story Bibles out there that are very biblically accurate and illustrated, and those are great. But what a lot of those um, that were published, you know, in the 80s or 90s do not have are the Gospel Connection. So the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones has 56 stories in it. This is actually written on a third, fourth grade level. But what that means is children, parents should be reading this to their children when they're a lot younger. But you're, this is also still a great uh children's Bible to read, even if your child's in second grade or third grade, if you haven't. The reason, even if your child's a little bit older, if you've never read this from start to finish, we want our children understanding the Bible as one big story that um, is all about Jesus. And so if you are, um, if your child has never read the Jesus Storybook Bible or the one I'm about to show, and they're already reading a full Bible, this is going to take them years and years to get through. They're not going to read this from cover to cover. So anything we can do to get our children to understand the Bible as one story in a shorter amount of time, the better. So 56 stories in here. And what's great about the Jesus Storybook Bible 
and the Gospel Story Bible, which I'll share a little bit about in just a second, is that all of the, every single story, the very last paragraph is the Gospel Connection. It's going to show how that story, regardless of what it was in the Old Testament or New Testament, either points forward to Jesus or looks back on Jesus. So that's huge because we say all the time, the Bible is one story that points to Jesus. And um, if the story doesn't have that in there, unless you're a theologian or you feel competent to do that, these do a great um, job at that. So Jesus Storybook Bible, 56 stories. This right here is a game changer. This is actually written on a fifth or sixth grade level. It's the Gospel Story Bible written by Marty Machowski. This has about 150 stories, if I'm not mistaken. So you could actually, with your child, say, okay, if we read three or four nights a week or two stories twice a week, you could get this finished um, within a year. But what's cool about this one is that every story is only on two pages. So you've got a cool illustration, the text, and then the gospel connection is that last paragraph right, right, right there. And then it's got three discussion questions. Um, another amazing example of a story that you could read to your children from beginning to end where they're seeing the whole Bible as one story. Um, even if your child's in fourth or fifth grade and you've never um, read either of these, I would just pick up this and start reading this to them. Um, some children might be interested in reading this on their own. There's a lot of value in one of the parents being there because what we recommend or what is great to do when you're reading the Bible with your children is really just to marvel at your amazement at the story. We, we don't want to just read the story and then close it up and go to bed or whatever time of day you're doing it. Um, if you are sitting there and marveling and how amazing it is that... Um, these people were so rebellious in this history, and yet God still showed his mercy, and he does that on us too. The more you show your excitement and your awe, um, that feeds into your children's um, perception of the story as well. So those are two children's Bibles. After that, we give second graders the Adventure Bible. And this is a full color, it's an NIV translation, so it's a full Bible. And, um, by the way, if your child's older than second grade and they haven't gotten theirs, we always keep these here so we can give them to you later. But, um, this is a great Bible to start to have. But the biggest thing we want to say is that we do not expect because they get it in second grade, they should now be reading the Bible on their own in second grade. Even once they get this, we're recommending you're reading this with a second grader at home. Um, but let them flip through this. Let them, if they, Find something that they want to read, you know, and volunteer to read that with them and guide them through it um, because some kids will be so excited to get this. And they, I mean, we've had kids come, I'm going to start at Genesis 1 today and I'll let you know when I'm finished. And that's just unrealistic. So this is what they get in second grade. And they'll use this through about eighth grade. And then we recommend the ESV study Bible. So if your child or you and your child are ready to start with this and say they're, you know, fifth or sixth grade and um, they're trying to read through maybe the book of Mark. Um, these Bible benchmarks are uh, sold in the bookstore. Does anybody have these already? Okay. 
these basically, there's an Old Testament and New Testament one, and they pull out foundational passages from the Old Testament and New Testament, and they give a summary of the book of the Bible and then key terms from that actual passage. So we have a lot of youth that use these as they're reading, and so it kind of is a um, helpful resource for when they're ready to navigate the Bible on their own, but this is also something that you could read with your kids um, when you're going through the Bible. Any questions about Bibles and... Okay. Um, also wanted to point out family worship is great where every, the f- whole family's together and you're pulling out a Bible story and you're reading it together and you're all praying together. I'll be honest, that's our weakest part in my own personal family. Our children are different ages and so my daughter thrives with this one and then my son loved this one. And so we do a lot of separate Bible reading. Um, I know that some families wanna lump together and do it all, but there's no perfect, this is not a prescriptive formula where you should be doing this all together and this separately, do whatever works for you. But just think, have your goal be two times a week. And if you can do it more than that, that is wonderful. Um, Okay, on to catechizing your child. Catechizing simply means instructing your child and usually with question or answer, um, question or answers related to a certain topic. We, you've probably heard the gospel catechism that Cameron created. We use it starting in 3K. And what we say is the goal of the gospel catechism, the question and answers, is a step-by-step way for our children to eventually be able to summarize the gospel. So the questions we ask them in Sunday school is, what does gospel mean? Good news. What is the good news? Jesus died for my sins. Why did Jesus die for my sins? So I could have a relationship with him. Who loves you the most? God, who loves you the second most, your mom and dad, and what can you do by God's power and grace, hard things. So eventually, we want them to be able to say, the gospel is the good news that Jesus died for my sins so I could have a relationship with him because he loves me that much. And by his power and spirit, I can do hard things. Um, So we break that up step by step. I will say, I have been doing that with my daughter for over two years now, and again, she will recite the, you know, when we do the questions and answers, but just recently, she, this is a true story, I gave her a breakfast milkshake that she did not like, and I said, we're not going to waste it, we need to drink it, and she said, that's going to be really hard, and then that clicked to her, and she said, ask me the questions, and so she related, she was about, like, this is about to be a really difficult thing. And in her life, that felt hard. So we did it, like, what can you do by God's power and grace? And you better believe it, she downed that milkshake, you know? And so um, I share that because a lot of times you might think this feels so repetitive, so repetitive, but they're, those are planting seeds. And when hard things come their way or when they're remembering why did Jesus die, those questions and answers are going to come into play. Um, another catechism that we use is the New City Catechism. That one is 52 questions and answers about Christianity. It's um, on the Gospel Coalition, and Tim Keller kind of merged and created that. And so in every single Sunday school lesson, we have a what we call 30-second theology, where we pull out one of those questions that relates to the lesson, and it's a quick question and answer. Um, for younger children, they actually have songs 
They're a little too childlike for the older kids, so we don't play the songs for them. But um, the children start to memorize the songs, and then before you know it, they're singing them at your house. But I do have a couple of these little rings that we've made with every single question and answer. These are good for older kids, so there's a few on the stage if anybody wanted, wants to take those home. But um, this would just be a way where, you know, keep it in the car, keep it in the kitchen, and every now and then just, you know, open up a question, okay, um, can anybody keep the commands of the law? And the answer is no, they can't. Only Jesus Christ could. And so um, it's just great theology. It's great information about the Christian faith. And um, feel free to take one of these. Okay, let's move on to praying with your child. Um, this is something that I think... Everyone prays a little bit differently at their house. Um, this really has a huge, it has a huge opportunity to make a huge impact on your child because you could be a family that just prays at dinner and bedtime and you say the same prayer every single night. And the Lord delights in that. He is, he created us to glorify him and he wants a relationship with us. So that is part of that. But there is the opportunity to broaden and widen that prayer life significantly when you as the parent show them that prayer can be from morning time through nighttime, any location, about anything, out loud, in your head, short and long. So we really want to teach our children at home how powerful and meaningful prayer can really be. So a couple of things I just want to um, touch on with prayer is that um, we want to remind kids at home when we're praying with them, either before or after. And again, if you marvel in the amazement at this, your children hopefully will start to see, that is pretty cool, that he created us to be in a relationship with him. Well, when you are best friends with somebody, what do you do with them a lot? When you're close with somebody, what do you do with them? You talk to them, you know, and it's the same thing. We we want our children to know that the Lord is um, waiting and always available and listening to everything they say because he loves them and because he wants that relationship with them. For some reason, so many children think that there are good prayers and bad prayers and that didn't sound good. So one thing we really want to encourage parents not to say is that was a really good prayer because then that's also showing that there are some prayers that aren't so good. So we do not want them to think that prayer is any type of performance. Um, the way we can model this is actually saying, you know what? The Lord delights in long prayers and short prayers. Tonight, I'm just going to say a really short prayer. And Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your forgiveness. I love you. Amen. And so I started doing that a little bit when um, I could tell my son was kind of retreating into a, getting a little self-conscious about his prayers out loud. So I was just trying to remind him there is not this picture-perfect prayer that God is waiting for the child to say that um, short and long are equally as acceptable to him. So we want to model that and share that with them. Um, we want to model to our children that prayer can be out loud and in our heads. And I don't know if you've ever gone through teaching your children that at a young age, but they start to think it's really cool when they say, okay, I'm going to say this prayer in my head. And then I marvel at the fact of, isn't that amazing that you just prayed and I have no idea what you said, but God heard every word. 
And that is like really opening this window to them that that is a personal relationship that I I am not a part of that um, prayer that they just prayed with the Lord. So when we say these types of things, we want to point out that is so cool. That is just between you and God. Um, So encourage them, even when you're if you are praying with them, just say, how about tonight? We just both pray in our heads and be with them beside beside your child but then celebrate the fact that um, that was between them and God. Um, We want to change up the places and the times that we pray. Um, If you, you know, are used to, if you're realizing, oh goodness, we really only pray here and here, you know, bring in other locations and times of day that you're praying aloud either for yourself or for your child. Pray in the car on the way to school. Um, Pray in the kitchen when you're making dinner. Show them that prayer is all day, every day. You can even be humorous about it and say, you know what, when you're going to the restroom at school, you can pray because he hears you. You can pray when you're walking to the lunchroom. Um, Open their eyes to prayer is not just um, for dinner time and bedtime. And something that's really powerful, too, that even very young children can do is when you ask your child to pray for you for something. Um, Obviously, keep it age appropriate. But say you've and say you really don't necessarily truly need this prayer. We know we're doing this to show them that they're they are capable and God is listening to their prayers um, for other people. So say you're kind of stressed out, you're feeling a little anxious about something or something at work um, didn't go so well, or you feel really rushed and you don't know if you're going to be able to get everything done. Just say, can you pray for me for that? Um, You can do it out loud or in your head. And we do that on the way to school a lot. And my children choose to do that in their head. I, I hope they're really praying for me. But um, anyway, I think they feel empowered that they're talking to God and that he hears their prayers for other people. So that's opening their mind to, um, you know, the world is not just about them and um, that they have the ability to pray for other people as well. Um, And then ask them what they would like prayers for. This is something that can be really impactful. Um, We typically do this on the way to school and sometimes they'll say nothing. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm good. And then I'll just still say a general prayer for them. But um, actually last Friday, I took both of my children to school and it both started off as, um, no, I'm good. And then my daughter, about 30 seconds later, said, well, actually school can be really hard. And she told me some things that were hard at school. So I prayed for her and then it prompted my son, which actually wound up leading to tears about something that had really been bothering him at school about a particular teacher situation. And it was amazing. And what that did is it showed we want our children to see that when we are faced with challenges or we are faced with um, some unsteadiness in life, we want to just shoot that up to the Lord. We, we want to bring him into the mess of our lives, bring him in to the hard things of our lives. And we want our strength and our wisdom and our problem solving coming from his wisdom. And so we took that opportunity to pray for this teacher, to pray for the children. And um, I don't know if I would have gotten that response had I just said, tell me what you're struggling with at school or, you know, how was school? 
So what I, a point about the prayer is really, if you think about it, anything that you want to teach your child or ask your child can really be done through the avenue of prayer. And again, that's bringing God into the everyday nuances of our lives. And again, don't be discouraged when they're like, no, I'm good. Everything's great. Then celebrate that and pray for that. And then you can also pray, Lord, you hear, you know, every single prayer that is shared or not shared. You know exactly what my children are going through um, and, and pray through that. But basically, we're asking them um, what they need prayers for and doing that on the spot for them. Um, we've talked about avoid, avoid saying that was a really good prayer. Um, what you can say after any prayer is, goodness, the Lord is just delighting in listening to you and just so amazing that he hears every word. Um, and talk about that relationship piece, that that's one of the best ways to um, communicate with him. And then um, talked about turning the teaching into personal prayer. Um, one thing that's great, too, when you are, say your child's struggling with something or not struggling with something. Say it's just some Christian truth that you want them to know. We, For example, we want our children to know that their value and their worth comes from what God's word says, not what the world says. And you could sit your child down and you could say, hey, I really want to talk to you about something. Um, I want you to know about your worth and your value. And that comes from God. That would be great. But you can also pray about that. So when you're praying over them that night or in the car or at the kitchen table, wherever that may be, you can just thank the Lord that their value comes from what he says and not the world. Anything you want to teach them, you really can pray over them for with that content. And you're really thanking God that that is true. And again, that's bringing God into um, every facet of your life. Okay, the last thing we're going to talk about is um, talking to your child. And Cameron will touch on this more in his class next week. But um, we want the Christian life at home to be very relational. So we really don't want it to be rigid and um, we need to do these practices because this is what good Christians do. We want there to be an excitement and a genuine love for reading the Bible, for praying, for talking about um, things related to the Lord. And so in doing that, we want to have talks with our children. Um, some uh, Only thing I'm going to talk about through this, because Cameron will rock this next week, is you would be amazed by what changing some sentence starter incorporating some sentence starters into your daily life, how that can lead to some talk. So a couple of things you could say is, you know what I was thinking about today? And um, if say you're trying to teach them about, you know, sanctification, the, the gradual process of the Lord making our hearts more and more like Jesus. You don't need to use that word with them. But you could just say, you know what I was thinking about today? That God, every single day, is making us a little bit more and more like Jesus. You know, he is really working in us every single day. Just, that's so cool to me. What do you think about that? Sometimes, remember, we talked about earlier, active receiver. They might not respond. They might be like, okay, whatever, mom, win soccer practice. But um, you're just kind of starting to talk about things in non-structured settings. Um, you could say, you know what I prayed for today? You're just sharing with your child something that you prayed for on your own time during the day. Um Something that we do often is if we're listening to a song on the radio, um, 
really a secular song would probably talk about things that are going bad in the world. We could say, you know what I've heard in that song? That, um, you know, that person's really struggling with something. Goodness, that's really going to happen to us a lot. Or Christian songs are great to do it um, on Christian radio. They'll, you know, a little blurb will be sung and you could say, oh, you know the words I just heard? That is so cool. Yeah, that means so-and-so. Um, one thing that's really powerful is to talk about what you're still learning. So when you're coming home from Sunday school or you just went to a Bible study or listened to a class is sharing with your kids like random, but I just want to share what I learned about today. That's modeling to your children that you are a lifelong follower of Jesus as well. And there's not this age or cutoff point where you know it all. We want them to see that we are all on the same playing field with learning and growing in our relationship with Christ. Um, and yeah, that's Cameron. I don't want to go too much into that. And Cameron will talk about um, really how to engage your children in spiritual talks at home. But that is really it for this class. Pretty practical. Um, but again, take this and don't feel like starting today. You're going to do the gospel catechism. You're going to do a new city catechism. You're going to read and you're going to pray and you're going to have these talks. Like when it comes up, the spirit will lead you. You just, um, if you feel the nudge, do it. Cause that's probably the Holy Spirit saying this is an opportunity to talk to your child. Um, but again, a word of hope, not a word of burden that you should be doing all of these things every single day. Um, pick and choose, sprinkle them in throughout your week, but it'll, it'll have a tremendous impact, um, even if they're not showing it to you. So let me close this out in prayer and we'll go from there. Lord, thank you for um, every single parent or grandparent that came to this class, Lord, or who might be listening later. God, thank you for giving them a heart to want to pour into their children, God, to lead them closer to you. Um, God, let us remember that you are in full control of each of our children's lives and um, each of our lives and our relationship with you, God, and give us the heart um, to lean into you. Give us the um, wisdom and discernment of when to share with our children and when to back off and just each next step to um, allow them to grow closer to you, God. Thank you for each child that's represented in this room, God. I pray that in your perfect timing that you will just draw them closer to closer to you, that they would find um, leaning into you so life-giving that they would find that their true life and peace and um, abundant life is found solely in loving you and following you. So I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.